we got a brand new episode of the Odds and End Zones podcast here on the Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. I'm Seamus Clancy, joined by my co-host, as always, Zoe. My guy, what's up? What's up, brother? Happy happy Tuesday, man. Yeah. We're recording this uh, June, I said July, June 14th, early Tuesday afternoon. Kind of a lull in Eagles land. I did BLG and myself. We're down in Eagles training camp. Uh, did some, OT, well, I shouldn't say training camp, OTAs. Did some OTA observation podcast. How was that? First. It was good. It was, it was an unbelievable experience. It was nice. Uh, I would say to both the team and the PR staff, as well as the other beat writers, treated me really well. And Jimmy Kemsky, who's, I'm obviously the deputy sports editor for Philly Voice. Yeah. Jimmy Kemsky, who's our Eagles beat writer, as well as the co-host of BGN Radio with VLG, uh, was on vacation. So I filled in for him valiantly, I'd say, though Jimmy is one of the goats <laughs> on the beat. So sure. hard to get in there with that. But the other beat writers, VLG, everyone else, and the team itself were very accommodating on me. So How, happy for the process. Um, did you see, um, like, a quick five minutes, but did you see Jordan Davis at all? Yeah, so we had two practices that were open to the media, two OTA sessions. Right. One was two Thursdays ago, so I guess that yeah. was, uh, like, the, maybe the last day of May, if I'm thinking yeah. that correctly. And then the other one was this past Wednesday we were there. Uh, on the first session, Jordan Davis spoke with us. Uh, you know, gassed off Fletcher Cox yeah. relative to, you know, saying this is the guy I kind of modeled my game after coming up, which we asked Fletcher about that because uh, he spoke this past week. Yeah. And we're like, Jordan, what's your relationship with there? And we had talked about before, whether it's on here or BLG and I, saying we really hope that uh, Fletcher takes on kind of a leadership role yeah, within sure. this defensive tackle group. We're not saying he has in the past or, you know, making a decision about his demeanor, but I think it would be really nice given that he is the elder statesman. Sure, he doesn't want to hear it, but uh, it's after his prime. Not saying he's not a yeah. quality NFL player, but he's not 2018 All-Pro Fletcher Cox. That's just yeah. a fact. Uh, Hargrave had a really strong start to last season. I think teeter off a little bit, but I guess you could say it was a Pro Bowl caliber campaign for him in 2021. I love what we saw from Mel Williams at the end of the year, and then Jordan yeah. Davis is obviously a dog. I, I, I think um, I'll be interested to see what he – what his preseason looks like. I feel like those guys do get a lot of reps in the preseason. I, He'll yeah. get a lot just because he's, I guess, what? I guess you say he's third he's, on the depth chart. Probably, no, he yeah, fourth. He, he's probably going to come out third on the depth chart. And, like, obviously he's probably, like, number one in running downs. Which yeah, he's going to – I could see – it's really interesting what they're going to do because they do have more outside depth now where yeah. they have a true Sam off-ball land – linebacker pass rusher with yeah. Hassan now because yeah. there's other situations where you're thinking maybe they split Hargrave to the outside and have him as an extra because he did that in Pittsburgh uh, yeah. rushing from off tackle sometimes but at that point it's like well it's it, what are we doing because what Brandon Graham actually is better as an interior rusher than right. an outside rusher which we saw a lot during the last few last years year, yeah. obviously yeah. not this past season with this injury so I'm really uh or Eagles fans should be really banking on Jonathan Gannon getting creative because there's a lot, lot, lot of talent on this defensive line, yeah. both on the outside and the interior specifically, especially. Uh, he's going to need to get creative and, and using them and keeping those guys fresh and yeah. taking some of those 2017 Jim Schwartz vibes. Obviously, their defenses are radically different, but in terms of spelling guys, keeping guys fresh well into the fourth quarter of yeah. a given game, but also the fourth quarter of a season. And he's got – He's got guys now, right? All, you know, I think that 
a lot of times last year you were hoping that he had an extra guy like they had a guy you know you wanted him to have a guy to do this or a guy to do that like you know they were obviously thin um on the front i was you know bg wasn't there and and i think that they have he's got guys now and and you know really it's it's going to be all on him to like you said to really start to use that creativity um and i don't saying there's no excuses is 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 so passe but there really is like there's going to be minimal excuse for for not being creative like you just gave Hassan Reddick that huge contract and like you're getting a, yeah you got younger you got guys who are hungrier like you got to you got to really work to maximize everybody's like talents and efforts up there not even trying to get hot takey but i think there's two outcomes for Jonathan Gannon this this season uh both result in him not being the Eagles defensive coordinator in 2023 oh, yeah. either He's going to be a head coach somewhere else next year, or yep. he's can and is like the Vikings, or I mean, it's a different uh, regime now, I guess, than the Mike Zimmer. Era, yeah, I'm saying, yeah. Then he's sending some teams, uh, you know, defensive backs or safeties or cornerbacks coach, whatever. I buy both. I, lean, I really do lean more towards the former, too. Yeah, I buy both for that. I, I think that um, I could, I mean, let I me mean, look at the way that assistants get hired in this league. Like, I could totally see. Um, somebody coming and scooping him up, you know, after a hot season and, um, you know, and him moving along to some, you know, taking like a, taking the reins of a, a, a four and 13 team with promise because, you know, they bank on it. But yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I Is think he that, coaching the, the commies come 2023? Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? I There's enough Eagles connection there. I would not be surprised if they if they wanted. And they have talent on defense. I think he could do well. Yeah, he would do well. They have a ton of talent, and they have a and they have a um, they're, they're similarly to the Eagles. A lot of their a lot of their talent is is on their front line. Um, I, I can totally see him jumping at that, especially if they have a if they have a poor start or a bad start. I can totally see him, um, you know, being at least one of the names in line for that gig. Yeah, if he just doesn't open his mouth all year, he'll be an upgrade on Jack Dalry. Yeah, just right? literally just, just shut up. You'll be don't mention any dust ups, and you'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to get to the true topic of the day? Obviously, yeah. like I said, a little bit of a dead period for the birds, and a big discussion in Philadelphia right now is the movie that was released last week. Film on Netflix was in theaters in the Philadelphia area. Yep. I'm a big fan of the Philadelphia Film Center, which has locations on. Uh, by the Boris on Fort Street and Old City, and then at Broad and Walnut, they both have like the high-level indie flicks and the blockbusters too. I love going there and supporting an independent yeah. theater. Uh, but on Netflix, you can watch it. Is Hustle, starring Adam Sandler, uh, set in Philadelphia, a basketball tale where Adam Sandler is a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. Immediate thoughts on the film, though. I was, uh, I guess, I would say I was cautiously optimistic for the movie. Yeah. I- I would say the same. I, I didn't. Um, I was hoping it wasn't along the same lines, um, you know, of uncut gems, um, like another loosely yeah. gray loosely MCU Sixers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I was uh, my my immediate immediate reaction was I, I was thoroughly impressed. I, I thought it was yeah. definitely one of the better sports movies I've seen um, in in recent years. I, I loved it, and I I, I guess. I kind of sort of expected it. Adam Sandler many times has stated how he is like basketball is his number one sport, and he's you know he's a huge fan of the game, and um, 
is, we will get into some spoilers. I want to throw up a spoiler tag right now yeah. before we get too much yeah. into it. We'll if you haven't seen the movie, spoilers. it probably won't even right, make that right. much sense. So if you're going to listen, watch the movie first. It's still, yeah, and we're not going to tell you the whole movie, but we are going to share some spoilers. But, yeah, um, you know, I him being a a tortured Knicks fan in, in almost the same way that we're tortured Sixers fans, I, I, I appreciated um, how much he did, how much you can tell detail uh, yeah. he did put into the movie. I would have liked a nice uh, consultancy contract on the yeah. film about the <laughs> accuracy of the geographical location. Maybe our both of us on there yeah. have us on retainer would have been nice. But right, would have been would have been cool. I mean, you were close. You he spent all summer in the city. Like, come on, dude. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my only knock. That's my only knock. But shout out to him, whatever. It was a bit formulaic, which is some of the criticism I heard. Yeah, a uh, little uh, Disney Channel original movie. But my qualm right. there is that it's self-aware and knows it's a sports movie. Every sports movie kind of has a formula, right? If you think yeah. to some of the classics like Rudy or even getting in the Philly realm and you have uh, the Rocky films and stuff right. like that, it, it's just inevitable that's what it's going to be. And it's it's less about the some huge plot twist or the ending itself as much as it is about the inspirational journey itself. And Wancho, Hernan Gomez, some he legit acting chops. Honest. Legit acting chops, he's legit Hooper. Um, he, listen, the... The funny thing about that also is, um, you know, his his game translates probably a lot better in the movie than than it does uh, in the league almost. But, yeah, they um, had him like guarding one through five. He's yeah. guarding Ant Edwards and pickup as like, like a four, I guess you would say. And he's and I'm like, like the this version of this guy is like if Chris Porzingis didn't have the off the field issues, but also right. like had an unbelievable handle and then right. you know, was was tatted, was tatted right. the hell up like a badass. Another thing that I, I love was the use of the word unicorn because in the NBA, in today's NBA, that's what everyone's looking for. Like the next yeah. unicorn, the next, you know, the next MB, the next Giannis, you know, uh, the next, they used to call, and Davis, uh, you know, a unicorn, but like, you know, I guess he still fits in that category. But like, I, I love, I do think that was obviously you can tell that he did a little bit of research with that because that's what they're describing those guys as like those hybrid six, eleven, seven footers who can bring the ball up, who can, you know, square up with three. And, you know, they, they move way better than you expect a seven footer to do. And um, I, I, I think that that is. For me, that was the like one of the first signs. Like, oh, like he he did his research before this yeah. movie. So, you know, I I thought that that was uh, that was impressive as well. And I and I liked in general. I thought that um, just in terms of just in a pure basketball sense, I think that seeing what the life of a of a scout almost looks like was. It was it was pretty pretty like it almost like put you right right next to him. I think the yeah you know the idea of like going you know to Europe and going from you know small European town small European town and stuff in your face that's with, a grind. Like the, whoever was the the smart person that found Giannis yeah and in Greece obviously I think some of the younger basketball fans you know and we're not even that old but. Uh, 2013 in NBA scouting and, and the draft yeah. and draft Twitter and all that is it doesn't it seems weird, but it's just so radically different yeah. from what it is now. Even yeah. though it's not even a full decade, yep. No one knew 
anything about him. This is, we are, people make jokes about like the late nineties or early two thousands. This was on that level of a foreign yeah. prospect, international prospect. For sure. Where no one knew anything about this guy. And he was playing against like, people talk about Bob Cousy playing against plumbers. This guy's playing against the plumbers. Yeah, yeah, and was 18 and almost had, yeah. you know, probably three, four, five inches shorter than he is now too. Yeah. And, and I think that um, it, it also goes to, it goes to show you that it is like, you can't just pluck these guys out of anywhere, you know, a, a day after they tell you to hop on a plane and go get our next center. Like yeah. it is, it's more than just a, a science. I think it's also a lot of luck. Like he got lucky. He was lucky to, missed that game and obviously they wanted you to see that part too but like he was lucky to have the one guy he came to see you know get hurt and then walk down the street just trying to shoot some hoops and he sees you know to into his eye the best prospect he's seen in years just playing pickup for money um so i think that it was just a it was a nice hit you know hit nod to the fact that you know in in this in basketball and sports in general that a lot of your preparation is is also just met with luck too. I have three questions here that I've written down for the film. Do you think Ant Edwards improved all of his own dialogue? Oh yeah, I don't even think I think they tried to give him a script, and he's probably like, "No thanks, I'll just I'll just talk." He was he was too natural. He was so good. Do you think he should have played himself rather than a fictional character? Because uh, like just for reference, there are players in the movie. Yeah that have played fictional characters, yeah. but there's also Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, right. yep. Seth Curry playing themselves. Yep. Um, and they shouted out Drew Holiday, too. Drew, Drew wasn't yeah. able to shout yeah, out. Nice. Um, I, I think he should just played himself. I think, because he was also, he was, I mean, he's number one pick, so I, I think you could have just been like, oh, and Edwards, like, he's number one pick. What's he doing here? You know, like, I think that would have been great. But yeah, I don't think that, I don't think he had a script at all. He sounded, he sounded way too natural for, for that. Yeah. Uh, I think he has some. He could do a he got game remake. Absolutely, I would watch I that. And I, I was against a. I'm, I'm I'm usually weird about remakes, but I would yeah. watch a he got game remake with him in it. I think he. You have it. to have a very very specific yeah. uh, main character, yeah. I would think. And I don't know who would be his Denzel, but uh, that's a different discussion. That would be that would be. I would definitely watch that. That'd be good. The ownership structure for the Sixers in this fictional universe. Does it bring you some vibes of seem like a mix of the Colangelo hierarchy as well as what we've seen in the winning time like Lakers? Yeah. It seemed like that was sort of the mix for me. Yeah. The like the father son thing. Um, the son's kind of a D bag. Uh, yeah. The son's a jerk and the, like everybody loved the dad. And like when they find out that like the daughter's not the one who's taking it over, everybody's like, <sighs> you know, I. <laughs> You know, so I, I I definitely get a bit of a, a weird like Colangelo vibe and a weird and and it's almost in a reverse way. I don't know if you um you probably haven't watched this in a while, but in any given Sunday, um remember like the, the Cameron Diaz is like she's like the young owner who's like she's basically yeah. trying to take the team from her yeah, mom, yeah, yeah. but everybody loves her mom yeah. type thing. Yeah, like almost almost like that type of structure that like you got some work to do before you you wind up being as loved as your dad was. Like before people respect you like they respected your dad type stuff. 
I just wish the daughter character was a little more fleshed out. It felt yeah. like yeah, she was a little one-dimensional, yeah. and that's not a, a, com, a comment on the the actor slash actress herself. Yeah, more so. I don't think the script did her justice because then again, spoiler alert: she comes in at the end and is the one running a team, even though we didn't see her for the majority of the thing. Yeah. So like, I would have either liked to see her not in the plot line. Or have her more of a more of a developed character because I don't think it necessarily did her justice. Because I guess the vibe that she was supposed to get, I guess you have the Cameron Diaz any given Sunday comp, but uh, my immediate thought was Jeannie Buss, right? Yeah. Is that we think yep. that and as we've seen, it's we've seen in season one of Winning Time, I guess based on the book Showtime by Jeff Berman on the 80s Lakers Dynasty, whatever you want to call it, that's that right on HBO this year. Uh Jeannie Buss is still very young in that show. Yeah. Uh, but other than her father and I guess magic is I guess the third most important character, the character yeah. whose uh, storyline gets brought up the most. And I think they're doing a really good job on that yeah. of developing her in an ideal world. You get future seasons where she rises up even more with inside the organization. So I think that was what the vibe they were going for with her. And that was probably my main complaint is uh, I don't think they developed that character well enough. And I think there's um, some weird issues there when it's a female character that kind of gets shoehorned in and the, whether it's the the writers or the director, or whatever doesn't yeah. necessarily give them the service that is deserved. And she got, um, I, I think she, uh, a couple of her lines were like throwaway lines, and which was also kind of disappointing. I, I think feel like a stock character. Yeah, like it just felt like she was like the one, you know. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm high and by, and then you don't hear anything from her until toward the end of the movie when it's a pretty prominent like thing. So like, oh, I would like to see. You know, in this two hours, I would like to see some some more development. You know what I mean? Yeah. Third question I have, and then we can talk about other stuff too. Why do you think Joel Embiid was in this movie? Someone who's mentioned multiple times, someone who other Sixers players are seeing. You have Tyrese Maximus, Heist Thibault, Tobias Harris all on screen as themselves. Seth Curry was in there. I think he was a little bit more minimized. Yeah. And yeah. retrospect, given that he's no longer on the team, but it seemed like uh, maybe initially there was more screen time there for Seth. Yep. So you have all those guys playing themselves uh, or maybe a fictionalized version of himself, whatever you want to say. Uh, but Joel Embiid is mentioned multiple times, but it's not featured in the movie. If you're watching the credits, you see that one of the executive producers of the film is one LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> who we know is a part of the Clutch Sports Group. Yes. That also has Ben Simmons. Bring it, home. I was saying, bring it home. Bring it home. Yes. So do you think Joel Embiid not being in this movie was a LeBron slash clutch move to spite him for the Ben Simmons saga. You know what? Um, I you, you cannot be you can never be too sure with them. I mean, that just feels very. And then I'm not yeah. even like hating on it or saying it's yeah. weird or anything like that. Like I totally get it. And if I was in their position, I'd probably do the same you thing. We're all a little petty, right? Yeah. But I, that was the vibe. That was my initial thought. I I, I totally would not put anything behind them and I, I again like you like you said i i don't even think i would begrudge but them he's a clutch guy right i mean not matisse tyrese is a, a tyrese, clutch guy tyrese so that makes sense guy. that he was featured yeah i i just think that i think part of it um well one we know it's not a contract thing because they were able to mention his name so like i'm sure yeah. if it was one of those things he would have been like don't you know don't say my name at all and wait two, i have a i have a screenshot of uh the guy saying like, "What the f do you want to trade Embiid for?" Yeah, I meant, I meant to tweet. I I paused the movie with <laughs> me and Ash were watching. I meant to tweet it out. I was gonna say like, "HP basketball Matt Moore in December 2020. 
But go on. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, that's that's funny. There's a yeah. We'll we'll have to get into deeper into that later. But yeah, I um, I I think it was just them some some petty clutch. You know, they gotta be. Yeah. They gotta stand by their man. You know. Yeah, they do their job. Especially, especially when during that time, one of the first things you said was, "He threw me under the bus," and we can, you know, I, that's that's not my man anymore. Threw me under the bus, and I didn't appreciate it. Like you can't be like, "Yo, come be in our movie." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just hey, man, hey, I hate your effing guts. Do you want to come star in this movie with my? Yeah, boy? like. Like yo, like we know, we know, we, have, we know. Things ended on the wrong foot, but we need you in this Adam Sandler movie. Like, I, th- I think that they were just doing their guys solid as they should. I mean, that's that's their that's their boy. So, new theory. If you recall, in Uncut Gems, uh, in retrospect, the movie was based on a 2012 playoff series between yeah. the Celtics and the Sixers, and Kevin Garnett has, I guess, a um, supporting actor role. You would say in the film. Yep. Originally. That was supposed to be Joel and Embiid, I guess, yeah. based on a different playoff series, maybe the 2018 one. Probably. That movie yeah. also starred Adam Sandler. Anything weird there? Maybe not that we know, but my theory is not that there was any bad blood, but maybe something with a work relationship or an issue with an agent that could have stemmed from uncut gems led Embiid not to, to want to not be in this film. Yeah, you, know, you could be right. I mean, Hollywood is a Hollywood is a different. It's a different beast. You love the palace intrigue from all the Sixers BS yeah. over the years. So, like it also, it could, goes. It could very well be one of those things, an agent thing, where like, like yo, like you, you kind of, you kind of, you know, uh, screwed us on uh, uncut gems. So we're, we're cool. Like, good luck. But like, you know, you can use the name, but that's it. You know, like, yeah. don't. Don't expect the don't expect the uh, visual. I could totally see that. I, I think that he's also he's also someone who is very. Um, he tries to keep his private life private, and, and uh, you know he's yes. also someone who's very for as he's grown considerably. Um, you know, off the court, he's someone who is he's very not aware. anymore, and that's okay. Right. He's a dad, he's, 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 totally he's, cool. right. I don't know if they're married. He's yeah. a fiance or whatever. Fiance, yeah. So I, I think that he probably also is like, he's probably more control of his likeness now. I'm sure everything kind of matters to him. Yeah. In terms of that, at least. Quality of ball in the movie. Not that I'm a very good basketball player, pickup player, didn't play high school <laughs> or anything like that. Very high, and I guess the the thing for me was I guess there were more uh, prominent players, professional players, whether yeah. they were NBA players or you kind of had the street ball legends and one mixed yeah. type guys in there too. Yeah. So I was really pleasantly surprised. Yeah. This isn't you know the office basketball episode. It's nothing like that. Teen Wolf, whatever you want to say, high quality ball that I think uh, people could appreciate, whether they're. You know, scrubs like me or people who played at a, actually a high level. Yeah, well, I think they wanted to. Um, you know, it, it felt really authentic. It didn't feel like we made like someone. Jeff McDevitt made the Disney Channel original movie. Comment to me, they don't have these cheesy action scenes in this. This was like legit ball that I would watch. Yeah. You know, a scrimmage from like if you're you know you yeah. were a scout at the draft combine. You were watching this, yeah. Like it wasn't like even the commentary. The commentary wasn't like, oh, you know, like I I need a, I it, it was. It was legit basketball commentary from Kenny Smith and, and those guys, and it was legit basketball. Like if you walked into a gym and you're like, "This is a pre, this is a pre camp camp," you know, we're just going to run a full court. Guys, you know, agents are bringing their guys here. There's a European guy supposed to be here, and you just say, "All right, we're going to run 
you know, two two rounds of full court. And it was legit hoops. I, I thought it was great. I, I think the quality of ball was high. And I think that's all part of, the, of them selling the product. Like, if it's a movie they want you to believe, you know, so it, you, you got to have actual, if not actual, like close to actual ball players in it. And it just so happens that they were able to get actual basketball players. Like you said, you know, AO, another another Philly guy, a Philly connection in the movie, you know, he was there, a professor, um, you know, from the N1 tour, all those guys. So like I, I think that it was um you can tell it was a concerted effort to make even the basketball action look as real as possible. Does uh Mo Wagner need to fire his agent? Yes. I, w- I thought that was just a random guy. That guy played in – I didn't realize what Mo Wagner looked like in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mo, so, yeah. If, so <laughs> Mo Wagner uh, – there's an, an early in the early in the show, uh, the Sixers draft a guy out of Germany. His last name's Haas. Haas, yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler, as the scout, does not want to draft him. The Brian Colangelo-esque uh, figure in the Sixers organization, the son of the owner at the time, wants to draft this guy. Adam Sandler is basically like, he does not have that dog in him. That was yeah. kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. Then he comes, the East Sixers draft him. He comes in the practice and is just absolutely terrible. No fight. He is the stereotypical, like, uh, you know, late 90s post Dirk, you know, right. that era uh, of them trying too, too hard to find the next great European big man. And like, so he was that poster boy. <laughs> and to know that guy's an NBA and that his, like stock as a player yeah. tank so hard. I hope he got a really fat check and then fired his agent automatically for sending him in a role where he looks like an absolute idiot who can't ball. <laughs> and and like he also um he signed up for a role where basically like they, they have to crap on you the whole like the whole first half hour of the movie where like you know he's lazy, he's a step slow you know, the guy, he parties too much or blah, blah. And then he, they asked, like, he considerably had to be kind of garbage even in the workouts. So, like, it, like I, he's got to fire his agent. And also, uh, he's got he's probably got to dunk on a couple people next year to get his name back. Yeah, they didn't even show a lot of action of him playing ball against other people, you nope. know, overseas. They really should have just – I mean, I get why they wanted a legit NBA player because it looks right. better. Um, but for anyone who wanted to sign up for that, that had to be a guy who's not a not a professional ball player, just yeah. a, a yeah. tallish actor they had to go with, or a guy who's exactly. you know a bench player a in the Turkish player, league yeah. or something like that. You can't have an NBA player looking yeah. bad like that. No. It's bad for the shield, so to speak, if we're using right, yeah. the NFL term. And I'd be freaking out if I was Mo Wagner watching that movie and being like, "Wait, I look well, like the, I look like the worst basketball player in human history because of this movie." <laughs> At least I didn't use his real name, right? Right, at least they were like, yo, this is actually, this is more value. So, I would have been like, actually, you can leave my name out of the credits. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to cash this check. Now I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool with Hans. No, no, don't even mention my real name. Just leave my name out of everything. Yeah. Anything else that stood out for you? Uh, any of the Philly landmarks, Philly iconography? Uh, early on in the episode, they call St. Joseph's University uh, St. Joe, which Saint was Joe. nails. Uh, it's big nails on the chalkboard energy. I think you would agree there. Huge. Huge nails in chalkboard energy. I would have liked to. So, um, this was pointed out. I don't know who who made the reference, but uh, I I cannot take credit for this. It was pointed out that they mentioned when the years that he played at Temple, and it would have been under John Cheney 
and so like the the guy the point of the tweet was oh it would have been cool to have one or two mentions of John Ch- like actual John Cheney you know like yeah in, I agree in, completely in, in like in that span because the the premise was the years that he would have been at Temple he would have been playing under John Cheney so like it would have been cool to mention like a four a.m. practice or something like that. Um, so that would have been cool, but I don't. I would. I wouldn't call that personally a qualm. I think it was cool. The Johnson and Hardwick um, hoodie was a terrific touch. Uh, yeah, people calling those. for it. Our yeah. guy Roy Burton calling for it big time. Yeah, shout out to our guy Roy Burton. Yeah, maybe the biggest Temple. He is what Gipper Grove is to LaSalle. Yes. Roy Burton is to 100%. Temple. I would say. Right, right. He's a right. He's he's definitely uh, he's going to the Owl Boys uh, Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Cecil um, B boys. Right. <laughs> um, and I think the, the other, like the, the Fed Nuts uh, sweatshirt was a, was a very nice. Type. I'm a big Fed Nuts guy, but like yeah. in the sense that uh, besides Gip, there might not be a bigger Fed Nuts fan than me. Uh, and even I thought it might have been leading into overkill territory. Yeah, well, you know, they got to You got to pander. You, you got Yeah, you're getting that product placement or whatever. I'm sure uh, yeah. Sal Fellini and uh, Fed Nuts and Salmanov are giving a, oh, yeah. giving a little sure. cut right there, I would they think, right? Tomorrow, I mean, in this city, it's all about pandering, right? So tomorrow, I'm sure Chad Johnson will wake up and put on his own. Chad Johnson, John, Chad Johnson sent uh, – he had a 15-minute phone call with Bryce Harper on how to pander. This guy's gonna end up friggin' being the Eagles wide receivers coach next year. He's gonna, he's gonna, dude. He is, he is, he he got. So what is he doing? He's training a boxer here. Am I correct in saying that? So I guess he's, I guess he's boxing in like some kind of celebrity event, and he's training with um, Jaron Ennis, who is one of the uh, best. I would say top five, like uh, middleweight, light. Like okay. lightweight um, boxers in the world, and Dron is a Philly guy. Um, Dron Ennis, for all those who are listening, you should look him up. He is one to be proud of, definitely from our city. And I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure how they hooked up, but um, he's here training with Dron for I think they said two months um, for some kind of back boxing match he's getting ready for. So we pretty much are going to get summer Ocho Cinco here in Philly. I think at least until the beginning of August, probably. I have a question for you because this is an Eagles podcast, though. Third and five. Eagles, need a, they're down by four points in the fourth quarter, Sunday football against Dallas. They have a guy in the slot that needs to just pick up six or seven yards. Eagles can get a first down, move down the field, and, and uh, get a score. Who would you rather have at wide receiver? Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, or Chad Johnson? <laughs> I'd rather have Ocho. Sorry. Yeah, and I, like, remember when To is in that fan football league? Yeah, and yeah. like he still looks like the most built guy on the on the Jack. planet. Really, really, just Jack. was yeah. always in unbelievable shape. Incredible just, shape. I think he's top three receiver ever to me, besides behind Randy oh, and Jeff. Oh, Tim. easily, yeah. And he's, I think he's like forty eight now. Now I gotta now I gotta check because we're down this wormhole. But he was in that fan control football league, and I'm like. I'm not even – he's 48. He turns 49 this year. I'm not even trying to be funny. I would really rather have him out there. Yeah. Besides like yeah. – and this wasn't even when they had A.J. Brown yet. Besides Devontae and Quez Watkins, I really would rather have him out there. I'm not even trying yet. to be funny. Now, I'm not saying he can play in a whole NFL season or a whole game, but 
We just needed to have a guy run one route That's it. on the team. He would have been my third option at the time. Especially, I think that, um, you know, like guys always say, oh, I would I would kill it in today's league. A lot of those guys lie. Oh, he would. In, in this league, <laughs> the way you cannot play defense anymore as a defensive back, they would he would feast on on these guys. I, I think that I think that especially if you had him running like a concise three or four routes each time. Yeah. I think that at that age, you know, I mean, you look at it's a different position because and you gotta consider Brady has not taken much much pounding at all during during his tenure, but you look at guys like that, and you're like, yeah, like if you keep your body in shape, who knows what where you can go in, in the NFL. Like the, the league is just changing in terms of how like what you can and can't do as a defensive player, and it's it's turned into a more offensive league. Sometimes I realize like we're older than we are, and it's this weird getting to take. Like I'm at 28. That's like I don't know if I'm younger or older, whatever, right, whatever right. the hell I am. But if you're younger and listening to this and you didn't really remember T.O. on the Eagles or during his 49 years tenure, if you're a little younger. Like, see, like, DK Metcalf. Imagine if he was actually, like, 10 times better than he is, and he's still unbelievable. Yeah. Like, a, like I, I think I DK, saying, AJ Brown are the closest. Yeah. They're, they're similar players. The, the closest we've seen to T.O. since uh, the man himself. Body type. Yeah. I think that um, another um, – I'm, I'm talking purely body type, not, like, potential. I, I think uh, George Pickens. Um, yeah. He is another guy a dog. Who, a straight dog body type wise and, and, you know, production wise, you know, he was, he towards ACL at Georgia in late in his, in his career, but um, he's someone who's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think by, again, body type, he matches that, that TO, that TO frame. I think those three guys are, they come to mind immediately. Um, but he is, he continues to be someone who, at, even at 49, man, like you can see him, like he's smoking dudes on the football field. Like they're having, yeah. he's showing up to, to practice, like open practices and just dusting like receivers that are literally 20 years younger than he is. Like it's, it's almost crazy to see that he, he manages to keep his body in that kind of shape at that age. Imagine Chad Johnson at like an E-Rock tailgate. This year. <laughs> <laughs> just showing up with like a bucket of, like a, a tray of mcdonald's like <laughs> so you got the hundred piece nugget yeah. <laughs> uh, do you I, have any familiarity with the man yonk era manny yonk era not era area i should say i don't at all that was a big feature in the movie yeah i i, I think um actually that's a pretty notable uh hill i guess you could say at first i thought they were when they that scene pulled up they're pulling up in the car yeah they were under the l for a second did you think that at all so i but it didn't I, really look like the l but i had no idea where they were at first I, when i first saw the hill i was like that's gotta be manny young i, I you know what I either thought Maniac or Norristown, because Norristown has like one or two hills like that. But when I saw it again, I was like, all right, well, it's definitely a part of maybe that maybe Maniac or maybe Roxborough. Um, but those steps are so my, my cousin is a um he is a, a he is a runner, he runs a lot to keep in shape. Yeah. So I remember those steps for sure. I remember, I remember pictures on those steps. And I was like, all right, well, this is definitely close to Maniac or something. But um I I I'm hearing word on the street is that it's a it's gotten considerably crowded now. Under NATO steps. I mean, that's uh, 
art museum steps light, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's definitely art museum. Died, steps. died like, art museum steps. Yeah, like everybody's everybody's taking their pictures now and, and taking their time, seeing how fast they can make it up the hill and up the steps. What is the best movie set in Philadelphia of all time? I it doesn't think, have to be sports. Um, you said it doesn't have to be sports, right? It doesn't have to be. No, I, think, I would say Silver Linings Playbook is the greatest Delco movie of all time. Am yeah. I correct in saying that's set in Delco? Like, I don't even yeah. try to like have. Nah. It's not even just the Seamus. Oh, I'm from the city. I don't care about. Like, I really don't know like what the areas are. No, nah, like. I think that's set in Delco. I would give you that. And then I would say, I would put a tie between. Rocky Two and Trading Places. Um, oh, Trading Places is a good one, dude. Um, yeah, those would be that would be my tie. My tie would be between those two. And, and I, the only reason I say uh, Rocky Two is because I feel like instead of Rocky Two instead of Rocky One is because I felt like they gave it um, a bit more tuning in the second. I think the first one they kind of just like let's see if it works, and then the second one they're like, nah, this definitely works. Let's Let's put a little bit more into it. Um, and then Trading Places. Again, we're talking about how old we were and, and stuff like that. But, like the movie is way older than both of us. But if yeah. you if you have not seen Trading Places, I highly encourage it. It's, it's one of the funniest movies you'll ever watch that is based in overall. And then it's also based in Philly. I, I, it's so, so funny. I watch it every time I, I get a chance, especially um, <laughs> it's a it's not a Christmas movie, but it's a, it's a funny movie to watch because there's a Christmas part to it. Um, and then you know what? I'll give you a third and ask for it. I think the first Creed has first Creed's awesome. It's yeah, uh so, so. I put that behind the first, like maybe in the same tier as the first two Rockies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I think it'd be like those yeah. three are the best of that yeah. um universe series, whatever yeah. you want to say. It, it definitely tugs at you. The first Creed um is they didn't they didn't try too hard with the with the with the landmarks and all that nonsense, I think that that, that it was definitely um, very very well done and for a movie set in this city because in this city it's easy to be like all right well we're gonna focus everything around the art museum stuff or something like that yeah. but like I, I think that they did those three are are ones that stick in my craw as far as like the ones that are the best done here. I would go Rocky too. I think Rocky the original you know it has the one best picture and all that, but. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched them uh, a couple of years ago and Ashley and I started dating. She had actually never seen any of the movies, which right. you know, I mean, me, I, you know, anytime that AMC marathon was on, I was watching all of them. I had the big box oh, yeah. set as a kid on DVD, all that scene yeah. a million times. Rocky won uh, the scene where him and Adrian go on the date and he brings yep. her back to the apartment. Yep. That's like an all time uh did not age well seeing and, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, like it, it's like it's that uncomfortable that I right. I literally knocked it to like the second best Rocky it's yeah. like that bad and um fairly unnecessary for the entire plot it didn't need to happen yeah I agree I, so I, that's I that's number that I was historically a Rocky one guy because I like the I like that he doesn't win do you know what I mean like that's yeah. the most Philadelphia thing ever I thought and that's what made the movie so iconic and obviously still like has warts almost every movie you're gonna see that you loved as a kid or in a, right. earlier in your life, it really hasn't aged well. There's a lot of things, and not saying it's right. Yeah, know, I wish all like I'm saying I wish Rocky didn't have that in there because it's terrible. <laughs> um, but it's still like the, the nostalgia factor yeah, is there like, for me. Of course, yeah. Movie I haven't seen in a long, probably close to 15 years is Philadelphia with Tom uh, Hanks and Denzel. Let's go That's on. a movie yeah. I wonder how it's aged because That's at the time one. it's supposed to be kind of progressive, but progressive yeah. in 
1993 is a lot different than progressive in 2022. So that's one of the things I wonder if some of there's a, like, I know it's a story about a gay man having HIV and, and and Hanks's character, but I wonder if there's like weird homophobia. That's uh, I know that's part of the movie, but in a way that doesn't even sit well, uh, even when you're having these conflicting sides in, uh, opinions of the movie, right? Maybe that that could be a could be an off season discussion. Uh, nice that's Philadelphia aged horribly. Will <laughs> with yeah, Jim that Hopper. A, that is a nice. That is a nice. Uh, we could we could put that down. For or that. it could have aged m- remarkably, and I could be. I'm not like crapping on the movie. I don't want anyone saying like actually you're wrong. Like oh, it's, I hope not, it's I, I hope it's aged well. It was, it was a great film, and and yeah. uh, I think it's a, it's a relatively important at the time. I'd say for sure. Yeah. Uh, Silver Lines Playbook. I didn't really like the movie at first, mm-hmm. like the first time I saw. So it came out like fall 2012, and we yeah. this is just like we're in kind of in Philly movie discussion mode. So this this feels apt. Uh, I didn't. I had no idea what the movie was about. I knew yeah. it was just about like a like a you know wacky Eagles fan. I'm like, yeah, you know, like try let's, let's step into this, and then he gets in like the opening. He's in like a mental hospital. Yep. I'm like, oh, like I can't even say that. Word. <laughs> I'm like. Like this is literally me. I didn't. I, did, I didn't know I was signing up for this. Yeah. And like, I almost couldn't necessarily like focus the first time I sure, saw it yeah. because it like it hit too much, but on levels that maybe I wasn't comfortable with. Sure. Confronting yeah. at the time. Um. So I like kind of didn't like it at first. Yeah. And then I watched it a couple more times. And I was like, it's not amazing. It's it's like pretty good. It does it does what it does. There's a lot of really good performances. Even yeah. doesn't even though it doesn't add up to like a true great movie. And then I read the novel and the lead up to the Super Bowl year, like in January, February, like I was like, I had just finally finished school that December. I wasn't in job mode because I was like, F it. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I yeah. still have like deferment on the loans right now yeah. coming out of school. Eagles are on this run. I'm just going to like live it up, you know, work out a lot. Read like right. I was reading like books like crazy. There was, I would just wake up, go to the gym come home and read and like try to go to bed as soon as possible. So the next day would just come so the next day like would that come, type right. of energy. So I read Silver Linings playbook during that. And it's, uh, you know, tr- you know, cliche, the book's better than movie. Like, okay, <laughs> like I'm an English major. I'm going to think that sometimes. <laughs> uh, but the book was just uh, hits on a different level. The whole romantic yeah. situation is, is handled is tremendously different than the, the movie. And I it's think it's handled a lot, lot better in the book. I actually had the author Matthew quick on, uh, on front an episode of from the bleachers in 2020 nice. i believe he came on here and was super candid and talked about how the relationship with his team has changed and he's not a fan the way he used to be sure and he said he just can't be and it at the time uh it made me think like can i not do this anymore they like, got literally the the character in the story like and i think that's a cliche on the crazy eagles fan but when you look at some of the uh legitimate like psychological issues there and that that's when it really hit and you know losing and gaining weight back and forth like crazy that element gets played up more in the book than it does in the movie even though they do touch on a little bit then you have like the goofy family and you know romantic relationships that everyone's can kind of relate to the universals there so but after reading the book and going back and watching the movie after that i i enjoyed it and appreciated it more because there are a lot of great performances there yeah de niro coop uh, J Law, everyone, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah, Chris, like Chris Tucker has a way more prominent role, his character, uh, and the book itself too. Oh, okay, which I and really, you know, I, I think that um, it, it's weird when it kind of punches you in the mouth. That, that like, that yeah, it was, it was especially because I had zero 
idea that this was what it right. was. So it was like, right. it's like if you went and saw Joker 2 and you didn't know it was yeah. a musical. You know, it was a musical, right? <laughs> right. You're like, oh, I, I guess I am going to turn into the Joker. Right. Yeah. So, so like, I, I, I totally get that. And, and you know, in, in some form or fashion, you can appreciate it. And I, I understand also if, if for, for folks who are like, this guy, this is too real for me because that's, that's sometimes that happens too. I, it like, could happen with a lot of people with different works of fiction, yeah, no matter yeah, no matter what. It doesn't have to be a movie about this. It could be any movie really, where you know any 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 drama, any any rom com, where like you know what, this character is way too real for me right now. I think that that's the beauty of like that's kind of like the art, you know, like the yeah. yeah so like, I think that um, you do walk away sometimes saying, man, like. That was heavy. Like I got through yeah. that, but like, yeah, like maybe, maybe this person actually is me. Yeah, and I would say the book had uh, a little less comedy than the the film did. So. Okay. So sometimes yeah. I felt like the comedy was a tad too much yeah. in the subject matter. But part sure. of that is my relation to the movie. If you are of outside of Philadelphia right. and watching this, you might think it's hysterical, and maybe right. it is. Uh, you know, an objective matter compared to someone else. Right. Exactly. Remember a couple of years ago. My dad never saw him. Definitely not a reader and read the book, uh, but didn't see the movie initially. Might have been one of those things like, eh, this is too much. I didn't want to see yeah. it. And then, uh, you know, a handful of years back, you know, he said a guy at work's like, Clance, you got to watch this movie. It's like, yeah. definitely like, just like you, just up your alley with your son and everything <laughs> yeah. like that. And he really, I don't think he had like any idea with any of the yeah. other like yeah, mental health right. stuff too. So he said he watched he said he watched like 20 minutes and then like had it turned off. And he was like, why would you tell to watch me this, this movie? It's horrible. This is like way too, like, like, I guess like the De Niro character. And then, yes. you know, obviously the, uh, the main character with some of the mental health stuff and then right. you know, the obvious Eagles connection there. Uh, I thought it was good. That was good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah Shout awesome. out to our guy. Shout out to Clance. <laughs> Wait. So, uh, we were talking with, uh, kill uh, if there was like a celebrity owner for the Eagles, yeah, I said, why not B Coop? And he said, well, he plays a diseased Eagles fan in that movie, so he has that in his head, yeah, as a, a thing. And I'm like, yeah, like I started thinking, like if I owned the Eagles, we would like I would fire the defensive coordinator every three games at halftime, like like right. just walk down there, you're out of there, like linebacker <laughs> coach, you're up, like we we just we have, like about the, this. we have like the like the He's third so level offensive quality control coach calling plays by the end right. of like week six. We we talked about this in our in our pre-pod, but you know, there's a reason I'm not the Sixers GM, right? Because I would, yes, I would have yes. I'd have a new coach every year, right? I'd have a new coach literally. I, I would be full Steinbrenner, like right. like firing a guy, like right. and then like 20 minutes later hiring him back at the same press conference, like have a press conference to hire a guy and then fire him before it's over. And then fire him before it's over, bring him back. So like I I, I get it. I, I obviously I kid and joke a lot, but I, I totally get that. You 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 can't be. You can't be so disease-brained as a fan of that team because you're going to make all the wrong decisions. Like all your decisions are going to be based off how you're feeling at the moment. So, like the minute after you know somebody drops a ball in in a championship game, I'm like, oh, he's cut, dude. Like, like yeah, like you're not. You're Have cut. fun like, in the unemployment line tomorrow, pal. <laughs> I don't worry about it, dude. Like, we'll see. You'll 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 be in unemployment tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Like, I I just feel like there's there's absolutely a a, a line that people who work in in sports have to draw for themselves yeah. because if not 
you will make every single decision based off emotion and you will be in a terrible decision. You will be in a terrible spot every single time. That's what I, I think Jeffrey Lurie has overseen the best two decades in the history of yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. And I would say other than Ed Snyder and the formation of the Flyers and what that did for city sports scene in the seventies is the greatest owner we've seen. And I guess if you throw Connie Mack in there, he was like an owner and, and manager Connie, yeah. or whatever with A's, yep. whatever you want to say with that. I can't speak to it too, too much. But people are saying, like, he's involved too much. They don't want his son in there. And, like, I'd rather have Lori's son, and I did a whole pod on this, rather yeah. than some random, like, Jeff Bezos buys the team or something like that. I'd much rather yeah, have so like, a guy who's like, been a formative thing. But at the same time, people are like, I hate when owners are too hands-on. I was like, are you absolutely kidding? That's because, like, we, neither of us has – we're both poor and don't have any money whatsoever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you were in control of the Eagles, <laughs> you would, there wouldn't even be a GM. You would be the GM – and the owner, and the offensive coordinator, and the defensive right. coordinator, and you're right. deciding who's doing punt returns. Exactly. Like we're like we we're talking. We're coming to it. We're coming at it from a poor person's perspective. Like we don't have. I couldn't fathom having like enough money to buy a, a luxury suite. Did you? Know no. <laughs> like, like imagine, like imagine being Phil Knight, and you wake up one day, like you know what, dude, I want to own. I want to own a professional football team, or I want to own a professional basketball team. Like we don't got out, got off on the right side of the bed, doctor. Right. Let me let me call Paul Allen and see if he wants to throw in two bills so we can both buy the buy the Broncos this morning. Like we, <laughs> it's a different it's a different mindset that we'll never have. I would love to, just the idea of like a fan being like the owner. It's uh, it's outrageous, it's and like, movie. and it's weird. Uh, because Laurie was a big Patriots fan growing yeah. up. He's from the yeah. New England. And uh, not too long before the he bought the Eagles, uh, the Patriots off for sale, and then Robert Kraft bought them. The Patriots yeah. were uh, a really barren wasteland. Yeah. I don't know if younger fans or even fans around our age probably don't even realize how yeah. destitute things were. They were moving that bad stadiums. They were moving from – you know, the suburban rural area, Massachusetts and Boston, back and forth, all this kind of crazy stuff there. Yeah. Uh, then he buys the birds instead. And I think it almost worked out better that he's not running his hometown team because they're obviously he's very emotionally invested almost three decades in. I joke that he literally bought the Eagles on the day I was born. I, uh, you know, and he's almost three decades later, he certainly has that. He's a fan of the Eagles. I think right. we could all say <laughs> that. That's <laughs> obvious. But there isn't that, uh, you know, I think he's 70. He hasn't yeah. been a fan of the Eagles for seven years the way he was as, a, years, as right. a Patriots fan. I think that might have uh, helped him uh, be uh, a better businessman rather yeah. than a fan in charge. Yeah. Like, I, I almost feel like it, it, it's become a hindrance that Josh Harris said at his, his introductory press conference that he, that he was a huge Sixers fan. Yeah. And, like, I, I feel like for all the things that he does or has done wrong that entire you know, team um, in ownership. I think the one thing is you can tell they make a lot of decisions based off emotion. Like you can tell he's a guy yeah. who hates hearing how much he sucks. Like he hates hearing how much we all despise him because you know he's he wants to think he wants people to think that he's a fan just like us. It's like dude, like we don't care. Like just be an owner. Like we don't care. Like would we have done anything like that remark? Like I wanted to trade up for Mal Markel and take him and they did that. Like I would have done that. Right. I would have, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, I would have made the trades for Tobias and Jimmy and given up whatever we needed the way out brand did. Exactly. I right. would have, you know, 
coped and if Jimmy didn't want to sign, you know, pivoted to Horford thinking Embiid can't play a lot, let him play the four and the five, whatever. We talked ourselves into that. Right. I would have made the move for Maury and threw him a blank check. I would have hired Doc right. thinking, we'll you know, he has, you know, get this uh, core over the hump. And then Harden, I don't care what it takes, throw a million picks at them. Right. Like, like we hate Josh Harris. Uh, maybe we uh, dislike the guy who just got uh, edged out a little bit more. And I think that we don't have to touch too much upon that. Nope. Uh, but I'm not sure we're doing too much different than him. If, if we're nope. I don't think I don't think we're doing too much different than him at all. I think we are doing the exact same thing, or or at least like close to it, and it, which is the crazy thing. Like at least we would look like less of a goober on the sideline. Yeah, like like, like I, he should like I like as much as you know. There's there's certainly a lot of issues with Mark Cuban, especially the some of the stuff that went on this that organization yeah. for decades. But barely, guy just wears like a Mavericks T-shirt and just in jeans and sits on the sideline. And I thought that was yeah. like that's you know that's how I'd be if I was not like I would. But he's very that. involved in you know fighting with refs. Like I feel like uh, I wouldn't run a run the uh, personal business dynamics the way he did with all the terrible stuff no. that went on there. No. But yeah. uh, on a more superficial level, that's probably the Yeah, on the, like the superficial like fandom side, yeah, I would yeah. just show up in jeans and a Sixers tee and just – I'm just – I'm walking in Mitchell Ness every three weeks with like a like a trash bag and I'm like, hey, fellas, uh, just going to throw whatever <laughs> yeah. I can fit in. Like one of those Target runs in like a, like a game show. Like whatever you can fit in this <laughs> cart, whatever you can fit in this bag, it's yours. Yeah, whatever fits in six in uh, whatever fits in five minutes is all yours. Take it. Yeah, how many how many how much clothes can you put on in the next forty five seconds? <laughs> and then you can walk out the door in it. <laughs> I want to wrap up. Yeah, cool, man. I, I'm good. I don't have anything else on my list. Yeah, that was good. We talked about good. basketball and life in Philly. That's exactly what the odds and ends is about. Well, and and we talked about, about odd. Uh, uncut gems. So that's the one gambling component we could bring. Right, we mentioned uncut gems. Answer. Right, we're all set. Uh, follow Zoe on Twitter at tweets underscore by underscore Zoe. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shamesunder Clancy. Be sure to check out my work on phillyvoice.com as well as everything we got going on here on BGN Radio. You can subscribe to Zoe's newsletter for the rights to Ricky Sanchez Sixers podcast. Do you have a specific? Sign up link or anything you can plug real quick. I want to make sure we're giving you your props too. Yep. Uh, Rice to Ricky Sanchez.com slash newsletter. Um, sign up. And, um, you know, we, yeah, we go out weekly. We, uh, Is that every Wednesday? Every every Thursday or every Thursday every or Friday, but mostly okay. every Thursday. We do uh, we do everything. We talk more about uh, self-loathing. and <laughs> Similar vibes to this podcast. If you're listening to this literally. podcast and you're a Philly sports fan, you haven't signed up for that, it doesn't make any sense. Literally. Literally the same vibes as, the, as this podcast. So we appreciate all the love as usual. All right. We'll talk soon. I don't know if it's next week. Maybe try to do some fun stuff this summer. Yeah. Given that it's like a weird situation. Yeah. Without we'll play some out before. Well, we got like we have six weeks probably. Any given Sunday thing. review could be on the table. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. I'm down for everything. A little varsity yeah. blues, uh, movie trivia. Let's do, a, let's do a football movie blowout. I think I yes. like that. With it. All right, yeah. we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks Bro. for listening. Subscribe, five star, all that stuff you've heard a million times. Do. <laughs>